for introduction, we'll give the outline for our sermon. Good to see Pastor Frank and Kathy Corbier here. Great to have you and your son. Praise the Lord. Maybe some others are here visiting Bensku and Mika. They're here. Let's see who else. Anybody? We just welcome you. If you're first time uh, visiting, um, we we just welcome you. Merry Christmas uh, to everybody. All right. So uh, first first thing is Isaiah nine six. Where is the Messiah? God. Right? Verse 9, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. So we have human being, human being born through the bloodline of Joseph, of Mary, rather. Joseph is foster, foster father. Joseph is not the biological father. Miraculously, the baby came into the world without a man involved. So we have the man, Joseph, is a legal parent. And his line, by the way, is from David. And then Mary's line is from David. And so she has uh, a child. And then it says, a son is given. What's the difference? Child is born a son that could be the, what I want to share with you right now. God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. How many? Three, but there's one God. One God, but three persons. This is the teaching in the Scripture of the Trinity. Where Trinity is not in the Scripture, it's a theological term that embodies the under, the concept God is one. But has God always been a father? Has he always been a father? Yes. Because the son has always existed. Father, son have always been. Father, son, Holy Spirit. One God. That's important because in theology, there are beliefs in religion. Islam, for example, is able, God is one, period. There's just one. Then how could he be a father? How could the Islamic God be a father? He, he isn't. He is just God, almighty God. Okay? What about our our God, the God that the God that we know, the God that we believe in. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because we are made for a family. We are made to have God as our Father. We are made we are made we are born of God. We are we are born of of the flesh, but born again of God. And who is our Father? God God is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He always has been, but now He is your Father. How did that happen? How could God be your Father? By the birth, being born of God, by the Spirit of God. And we cry, Abba, Father. What's the word Abba mean in the, in the Aramaic? This is in Galatians 5, yes. Um, or I'm sorry, chapter 4. Um, um, and I think it is verse 5. We cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. We have this uh, love, this little cry of love for God. Where did the love come from? Him. He loved us first. And he shows us who he is. So Christmas is important because we take a good look at Christ. And who is he? Well, here's a, a good description. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. So we have a, a couple thoughts about the shoulder. Shoulder is, is where your heart is, where you carry, you have a responsibility. 
Christ is responsible. He is, he is uh, not a negligent king of the earth. He's a responsible savior. His name is Jesus, which means savior. What does it say about him? His name shall be called Wonderful, you know, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Look at the interesting part. Everlasting Father, who? The Son born, the Son given, the child born. He is a father? Yes. But didn't he pray that we would pray to the Father? Yeah, we pray to the Father, but here it's written that he is also called Father. That Christ is also called Father. Isn't that, uh, isn't that important to us that God is one, but there are three, and that he is, is someone affectionately relating to us as a babe born in a manger. Let's look at that word here for a moment. We have Luke 2, 7. Could we put that up on the board? Luke 2, 7. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. What does swaddling clothes mean? What? Swaddling, it was, um, you know, children when they are born, they, they're moving their arms and all this, but to wrap them tight, like in the womb, they came out of the womb, and now they don't have that resistance on their body. So for a while, you, you bind them, they, they would feel the security and the comfort. So this child is wrapped like this. And... Um, and and where were they? But it says here, laid him in a manger. And when we were in Israel, we were told by the guide that if you look down on a cave, so you'd say you have a cave here in the ground, but if you took the top off the cave, so the animals would go inside in the cave, so the animals would be deep back in the cave, and then their heat would warm the cave, and at the front, in front of the animals, is the manger. That's what we were taught. We were told that that the manger is that area in front of the heat, well, in front of the animals. So the animals are there, and then where do people, people are living in the front of the animals here. And this is, this is, uh, where Jesus' family was. Why? There was no room in the inn. It says it, says it there further. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, so they found a place. Isn't that beautiful? They found a place. You know, God has found a place in this world. But it's not where where people usually are it's it's a strange place it's a different place it's the it's a place where where god could fit in the world but it's not a well well designed place it's not appropriate for a king it's not a place where it's popular it's not a place well provided it's not a, a typical place where where somebody would be, but this is where where Jesus was born in this place because there was no room for him. So this is the outline for our message today, this morning. Number one, who is he? And we will look at Colossians one. Number two. No room for him. No room for him. All right, so what are we going to say about that? But there's no room for him in your conversation. 
There's no room for him in your heart. There's no room for him in your business. There's no room for him in your car. There's no room for him in your school. There's no room for him in the NFL, football league. There's no room for him in the corporate business world. There's no room for him in the golf uh, place, what, what we, the golf club. There's no room for him at the university. There's no room for him in the university professor's speech, in his talk. There's no room for him in TED Talks. There's no room for him. There's no room for him in the inn. You get the idea. Isn't that that true? Yeah, you could be with, with a group of people. There's no room for him in that group. And then the third point is who you are in their victory and what it means to have Christ in your life. Because he's born in you. You have him in your words, in your heart, in your, in your heart, in your life. But there's a fluctuation possibility where you go between these two. Either I don't have room for him because I'm doing very well without him. That's the funny thing about life. I'm doing very well without him. I have a family. I have my work. I have... I drive my car, I got my car fixed, car broke, I got my car fixed, I got, I'm, you know, my child was sick, but he's okay now. I, I do very well without, without Jesus in my life. I don't need you. You know, it's fine, but I don't, no, not like you guys. Not like you guys. Okay? So, be a good message. I hope. <laughs> I hope so. Let's pray for it. Um, Lord, we are listening to you and your words. Teach us today. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. Tonight we have our candlelight service and the children singing on stage and beautiful time. Last night we were at Fed Hill and one of the best Christmas concerts I ever heard. It was beautiful, amazing concert. And um, many people packed in the room. And beautiful time. Uh, what are we anticipating for the coming year? What a good question for the scripture. As we read in the scripture and think about our lives. What it is to be born again and born of God and a child of God. What a good Meditation, that is. And I've enjoyed through the years seeing people grow and develop and learn and, and go through trials and, and learn to live by faith. I'm uh, so thankful for this church and what God is doing in our hearts. And yeah, just appreciate it. Friendship and understanding. So we have... An outline here for our message is, who is he? Who is Christ? So this is well defined in Colossians chapter 1, verses um, uh, 15 to verse 21. And this is important because in the pagan world, in the first century, it was known that you have paganism, then you have Judaism, and you have the Apostle Paul, who is a Jew, who is Orthodox Jew, born again, understanding the theology, understanding the doctrine, 
and being a great teacher and apostle and preacher as he was. So he addresses a need. So I'm going to draw a short, simple picture for you regarding paganism. So we have God, and there's the general idea of God, as you read from some Greek philosophers. But then they had this belief that God created levels or tiers of gods. There were sometimes seven levels, 13 levels that depended. And then, then, then a God made man. And the man relates to the gods. Okay. He looks to the gods. He's superstitious. They have different ideas. Paganism was very wide and broad for many different ways. But this idea that that God there is God and then there is some there are some gods and then man has to be dealt with theologically because it's not correct. You have God and God created man and man relates to God by faith through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ came into the world so that we could see God, handle him, listen to him, touch him. He could be, he was made a man so that we could see him. He said it in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, verse 9. My Father and I are one, John 10, verse 30. The Apostle Paul is teaching here that Christ is described here seven different uh, ways that he's being described from verse 15. Why is this important? Because the Colossians are in a Greek world, a pagan world. Colossae is a city in present-day Turkey, and they, they need to have be taught this. So Ephesians also taught to the Ephesians, the Colossians, they're very similar epistles. And so defining Christ is important. Now the JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, believe this way, that Christ was God created Christ. God did not create Christ. Christ always has been, always is, always will be. But he came into the world at the fullness of time, to reveal to us the character and nature of God. And that's important to us. So we have here Colossians 1, 15, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? Meaning, like the stamp on a coin is an image. But in this case, he's the perfect image of God. If you see him. Now, it's to be understood that not everybody can see, that everybody sees or understands. So there were plenty of people that would see Jesus but not see God. They didn't see him. It says that in Isaiah 53, he grew up as a root out of dry ground, and there was no beauty in him that we would desire him, no form or comeliness, because he was humble. He was with common people, and he looked like a common person, apparently. At the, at the Garden of Gethsemane, they went to arrest him, and Judas didn't say, he's the tallest in the crowd, or it'll be obvious when you see him who he is. No, the, the, he said, the man I kiss, that's him. The man I kiss, why did he need to, to identify him? Because he was like a common man with us. But look at what it says about him. It says, the firstborn of every creature. That means he has priority over everything. Prototokos just means he's the first. And he inherits everything. It also has that meaning. That he's the primary. He's the... He is also the creator. We see that written here too. So verse um, 16, for by him were all things created. Who created the world? Christ. 
Did the, did the Father? Yes. Did the Holy Spirit? Yes. All three of them, you can find scriptures. This is a beautiful thing about the Trinity, is that all three of them, you can find that they, they, the Father gave the Son, they, um, the Holy Spirit held the Son on the cross, that he was crucified by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was God that held him on the cross. But he stayed there. And he paid the price. He bought us with his own blood. Okay, look at verse 16. By him all things are created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. These are all all realms, all spheres of the invisible world, angels and also demons, everything created by him and for him. One simple uh, diagram that I would like you to, God, from God, through God, and back to God. That's the best way to live your life. It's from God, through God, and to the glory of God. That's when your life has such great meaning and value. When man lives this way, from himself, through himself, and to himself. That's how many people live. It's from me, it's from me, my strength, my mind, my heart, and it's through me, and it's for me. Very small world. Very small. A curse. Very narrow. Very blind. Very foolish. God came in. God created the world. Let's go back to the text there. It says, verse 17, he, he sustains it. Verse 17 and 18. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. They are held together. They are, they are in an order. The universe is not chaos. It is cosmos. It has an order and a purpose to it. And every, everything is all subject to him. And he's holding all of the atoms electrons, many, many forces, and many elements of the physical world, the historical world, um, the world of man, the world of demons, the world of angels. It's all fulfilling his purpose, and he is doing it. Who is this? This is Christ, the babe born in Bethlehem. This is who Christ is. He is God. Look at verse um, 18. And he is the head of the body. What does the word body mean? But church. It's It's a synonym for the church. We are members of his body. We are, we have been baptized into his body. We are relating to each other as members of each other. We drink the same spirit. We have, we have a purpose. He is the head of the body. We are members of the body. And it's Christ in us. And we have been put together in the mystery of a fellowship with Christ as the head of the church. When you have head, it's, um, it's the focal point of uh, guidance, it's the we become the head and not the tail. We uh, we have an authority. Remember, the government is on his shoulder. So, what a government of what? The government of the church is on his shoulder. Uh, the government, world history, is on his shoulder. The creation, the sustaining aspects of the universe, the sustaining purpose. And the ultimate consummation is on his shoulder. He is the God of history. He is the God of detail. Not a bird can fall out of a tree without God. 
every footstep, every thought of our hearts, every word in our mouth, all of it is known by the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God. Who was born in Bethlehem? This God, the living God, the true God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who always has been in fellowship with his Son, and now there is good news for us that we've been brought into that family, and we call God Father. We need that. Now, uh, let's say something about the birth of the baby in the manger there. So we have Jesus is born, and his arms are like this, you know, his little baby putting his arms on his face or sucking his fingers or whatever, okay. Is he vulnerable? Is he weak? Is he poor? He became poor that we might become rich. He is weak so we could become strong. But from a human viewpoint, it's very disarming to see a baby in a manger. Very disarming. And it's like, um, is this God? Is this the Messiah? Yes, it is. Okay, what does that do in your heart? You just say, I thought the Messiah would be big and strong and be have a big army or a throne or a palace or a parliament or I, the, the Messiah would come from the sky with the angels and the glory of God. I would expect God to come like that. Perhaps. But when he comes this way, why does he come? He comes this way to tell us something and disarm us, to open our hearts and say, Love, love. I can be weak because I love you. I can say, I forgive you because I am love, because I, I am powerful, but in another way. Not like people and power, people and intelligence and gifts. Because you are so powerful and intelligent and capable that there's no room for me in your boardroom meeting. There's no room for me in the NFL. There's no room for me in the local high school or the teachers' union or the university classroom. There's no room for me in the entertainment center. No room for me in the clubs, in the golf club, in the tobacco shop, or the sex club, or there's no room for me in the movie theater or in Hollywood or in the parliament or in the White House. There's no room for me in this world. But I am here. And I'm holding it all together. And I am God. I'm God. Look at the text here. There's more. It says, it says here, verse 19. He says, it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, the pleroma, the fullness. It's not explained there, but many, this word pleroma, this fullness is a common word with Paul. He uses it many places for these spiritual riches, the fullness of grace, the plentiful. It's like abounding plentiful fullness. It says in Colossians 2.10 that the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ. That the Father has put, he, he not like put like in a time frame, like there was a time he didn't have it and then a time he has it. This is not, this is a wrong understanding, but it's very human for us to think like there was an event There is no event. It is an eternal coming from the heart. 
eternally begotten, always coming as a fountain from the Father. The Father and the Son, always in abundance. Always the, the Father's fullness is in the Son. And the Son, the, the, that fullness is reflected back to the Father in relationship. That relationship is what we are hungry for. And it's in our faith, by the way, that this is explained. This is a rich treasure for us to understand. That I am with God and in God, and all that the Father has given to the Son, eternally begotten, has now imparted to us. And that we were one time enemies, but we are now reconciled to God, and we call him Father and that we are his children, and that God could never have given us anything more than what he gave us, because all that he gave us is his fullness has been given to us in Christ. So, verse 20, And he made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile. That's the seventh word there. In this text, he reconciled all things unto himself. Everything has been reconciled to God through Christ. Christ brought the human race into himself. Not uh, The condition is for us to believe. If I don't believe, I'm excluded. And that's, excuse me, that's what hell is. I don't have God. I'm lost. I'm without God. That's the demons go to hell, and so do people. The demons, the hell was made for the devil and his angels, and the people that will not believe or trust in this amazing gift. You might say, well, why, why is that? We do not know, but we know that man is without excuse. It's kind of like this. This is, catch this. This is a little bit of a, it's provoking thought. If you go to heaven, it's because God saved you. If you go to hell, it's because you decided that. I mean, you didn't know what you were doing necessarily, but it's your, your decision. If you, if someone goes to hell, it's kind of like they clo- they go to hell and they close the door behind them and they're in hell, they're lost, and it's their choice. It's their decision. If you go to heaven, it's that God called you, God gave you the grace, God gave you Christ, and you decided, you, resp- you responded in faith. And we, and we say God elected you, God chose you, that was, that was a work of grace that happened in your life. And, of course, we all wonder, why me? Why me? And it's a good question. I don't know, but I believe that God did that. Nobody can come to the Father except the Father draw him. And you're drawn to him, and you believe in him. When you believe in him, instantaneously you're justified, reconciled to God. Let me say one more, one thing about this word reconciliation. I've done it before, but because there may be new people here, you have two: you have God, and you have man over here. And there, man is an enemy to God. So you have you have this this relationship. Man is an enemy of God. So God reconciles. And many times we think it's like buying a used car. You know, you, you make an offer, there's a compromise, you negotiate, you get closer to agreeing, and then you agree. This is what people think about reconciliation. But that, that's not the meaning of this word. There is a word for that in the Greek, that compromising and coming to reconciliation. But this reconciliation is this way. God comes all the way, and he saves us. He does it all. He comes all the way to you. 
And, and, but he's looking for, he's looking for you. He's looking for you. Will you come? Will you trust me? And you say, I don't have the strength. And God says, I know you don't have this. That's why I came to do it all. I've saved you by my grace. I forgive you as you are. I call you by name. I put my spirit in you. I reconcile yourself to me. And I bring you all the way from your lost state all the way into my family. And I am your father. I am God. I have saved you. That's amazing. So we have the first part of the message is this one. This. Who is he? Now, number two. No room in the end. Why is there no room in the end? Why is it we don't want Jesus in our life? Why? That's a good question. Why? Because we have a fleshly mind. Because we can live without him. Because uh, maybe I'm afraid of him. Maybe I just, uh, I don't have the time. I don't have the interest. There's no room for him. When he came, he ministered to people and they were welcoming him. But there was a group of people that kind of represent the world that we live in and they were the Pharisees of Matthew 23. Matthew 23 is um, this short outline. You can read it um, this afternoon. It's an incredible chapter. It's a public speech Jesus gives to the leaders of the hour, the time and the society that he was living in, and he's very angry. When when you see Jesus as a baby, you don't see him angry. You see him like in swaddling clothes and humble and quiet. But God is in a real fight. A real fight. And this is actually a good point in regards to what we're talking about today. And I mean, I want to back up a little bit. If you can follow this with me, thanks for your listening. And and I pray the Holy Spirit will help you follow it. There are fights that are kind of pretend fights. Have you ever seen a pretend fight? I mean, I don't know. You know the the uh, what are these called the saber and the what is that called the, this dual fencing fencing and you have a point a dull tip and uh, you have electronic things actually they do that today and they they are fencing but it's not to the death it's just a game. And then you have the World Federation of Wrestling, right? That you look at that maybe on the TV or something, and it looks kind of fake, maybe. Is that correct? You know, they, they throw, they, it's a fake. But then, have you ever seen a real fight? I mean, have you seen somebody fighting for their life? Okay. That's what's going on here in this Bible of ours. God is serious, and he's, he's in a fight. He is in a fight. I'm not kidding you. I love it. He's in a fight. Jesus is in a fight. He's very angry in Matthew 23. But it's not a fight with, like, physical... It's not a fight with, uh, with um, you know, uh, just, I don't know, some mechanism system. It's a, it's a fight for souls. It's a fight for people. It's a fight with lies. It's a fight being serious with truth. It's a fight about God. It's a fight for people to have a better life. For people, not a better life, a life. It's a fight for people to find Christ. 
It's a fight for people to be forgiven of their sins that would take them to hell. It's a fight for their soul. It's a fight for their mind. It's a fight for them. He is in a fight. Jesus is in. Jesus came into this world and he's not fooling around. It's not a game like, you know, the fencing thing and the, the Federation of Wrestling and other things where people are, I lost, it's okay, there's another day. No, this is huge. So he says in this chapter, eight times he calls them, uh, he says, woe unto you. Seven times he says, um, hypocrites. He's talking about um, two times he says, you are blind. Two times he says, you are fools. And then once he calls them a brood of vipers. Now, that caught, that phrase, brood of vipers, caught my attention, so... I Googled it, and I mean, this is months ago when I, actually years, but here, here's a picture. Okay, what, what is a brood of vipers? Okay, the brood, a brood is the birthing, the generation. I think, um, what do we have? We have like a litter, a litter of kittens, right? We have a little litter of puppies. We have a litter of snakes, but they are called a brood or a generation of serpents. Now, why did he call them these? Why did he say that? Because when they're born, they come out of the eggs, you know, similar timing. There, there is some location they come in, and they're there together. There's like a community. There's a community of them. That's what Jesus was in. He was in a community, and they were hypocrites. They were fools. They were blind. They were a community of the same kind. They're the same kind. That really speaks to me, because I've seen it. I've been in there. I've been one of them. I've been in that party. I've been in that group. And there's no room for Jesus in that group. There's no holiness in that group. There's no wisdom in that group. There's just venom in that group. There's no grace in that group. There's no love that is in that group, except some kind of fleshly love, manipulative love, emptiness of the heart. And when Christ came into the world, in the beginning, in that mood at Christmas, which people love, the mood is he's defenseless, he's gentle, he's not talking to us. Oh, let's enjoy Christmas. It's a time of love and sharing and giving. And, and I say amen to that. I love it too. I grew up in that. I love it. I love the holiday. I think it's amazing. But I also want to understand what's going on. What's going on? What is it? What did God do? God came with a real fight. That he came, it's not a joke. He came as a real fighter to save us. Because this is real. Have you been there? Have you, maybe even your family could be a brood of vipers. I hate to say it. Maybe even your church could be. I could say that clearly. Your church could be. Yeah, they don't have Christ in them. It's politics and money and power and influence and arrogance. Have you ever been somewhere where maybe in a group of uh, professors or lawyers or a group of CEOs or a board meeting or even a group of people? Have you ever been in a group where they all are similar and they lie, and they all know they lie, and they play the game. It makes me sad. I mean, I'm, I, I, it's real. You know that. I know, I know that you know what I'm talking about. And Jesus is, he's basically saying goodbye. I, this is my last speech. And you're going to be angry about it. But I don't care because I'm going to the cross. 
You're going to get rid of me, but I'm coming back. Guys, I'm God. I'll overcome death. I'll overcome you guys. I'll overcome your arrogance. I'll overcome your emptiness. And by the way, I'm telling you, you're a brood of vipers, and you know that you are. And if you don't know that, there will be a day when you need to wake up and realize that you are. And you're part of the whole thing. And there are people that, that try to escape the brood of vipers, but they don't know where to go. The only answer is to be born again. But they don't know where to go. They don't know how to find it. They don't know how to find Jesus. That's why you and I are on the earth. We're on the earth because we have a message. The world is shaking. The society is shaking. Anybody catching that? Anybody out there? Hey, folks, do you got, you got any idea? Like, by the way, in our lives, we got to have different mood. We got to be like the baby in the manger and just be defenseless and vulnerable and not arrogant. Just be humble servant. And then the, they, the people around us may wake up and say, what is going on? And we say, Jesus is here. You know, and then there is a time when you got to have some fight in you. You've got to say, this is serious. We've got to, uh, we, we, we just want to believe that God will help us find our victory. Get out of there. Get out of that thing. Don't be part of that. Escape it. Second Peter 1, 4. Escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Get out of that thing. The lies, forsake them. Psalm 101. The arrogance, forget about it. I want to be with humble people. I want to learn how to walk in humility and then enjoy your life. And you do enjoy it. That's the funny thing about it. You do. You find Jesus in your life, you enjoy it. It's like beautiful. You enjoy the ocean more. And you enjoy new, the good, good information, good news, or you enjoy poetry or literature. You enjoy um, friendship. You enjoy getting older in life. You just enjoy life. You are enjoying your relation. You are enjoying what God Almighty came into the world to give us. Let us take it and embrace it and believe it and walk in it. And stay away from uh, the other stuff. There's no room for him in the end. And we go, Jesus, I got room for you. Come on. I got room for you all over the place. You are number one. You are number one. And the world says, like, you know, we said earlier that in the NFL, when an athlete goes on the air, you know, after the game, the, the MVP or something goes, oh, I want to give glory to God. The networks go, oh, like, why does he have to say that? Why does he have to say that? Isn't that funny? Like, I give glory to God that Jesus Christ sees the answer. How many quarterbacks, how many guys in the NFL, how many people that they end up finding a way of life and do very well and how many gold medal winners in the Olympics, how many people, how many golfers, that win a chance. How many people end up, there are many of them in the sports world. I, I've noticed that. I'm sure you have. And they have room for Jesus in the, there's room for you. And God honors them. Bring them into the boardroom. When you drive your car, bring them into your everyday life. When you talk to a friend, have, have, have something in there in your heart from Jesus. When you leave your house, say to, say to Jesus, I want you all over me today. Help me and lead me. I got a message. And then when you're at the, at the water cooler in the hallway at work, wherever you are, at Hopkins or in a hospital or a police station, wherever you might be, you're at the water cooler and you can say, my, 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 it's water tastes good. God is good to us. And I have a word. I have something to share. You know, something from our hearts as a way of life. It'll help you. And one day we'll finish. 
Isn't that amazing? One day we'll finish and we'll say, um, Lord, it came, where is it, this one? It came from you and it came like through you and to you. And I enjoyed that. You brought me into it. Thank you, Lord. You brought me into it. Glory to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sir, way beyond our words, Lord, your your work is incredible. On the earth, we love to look at it and look for it and see it. And no life is an accident here today. No life is in vain. Jesus came with real fight in him, more than anyone in history. Real fight, he went to the cross for you. And he addresses the deepest issues. Your alienation from God, your dullness, your emptiness, your sin, your bad habits, your rebellion, your self-life. You can reinforce it by being with the, the whole gang in the world. They got a place for you. Come and be with us and live like us. But we're saying that's a brood of vipers. It'll bite you. It'll destroy you. We're saying come to Jesus. In your heart. Open your heart to Jesus Christ. And say to him, come into my life, Jesus. I accept you and I believe in you. This moment, right now, today, you are born again. You are born of God by believing in him. You are saved. You are saved. Now just grow in it. Learn of him. He is meek and lowly. Yes. He will fill you with the Spirit. Walk with him. You get a hunger in your heart. You'll say no to the vices in your life that are destructive. He doesn't take away from you anything that is not destructive, but everything poisonous and destructive, he says, drop it, leave it, forsake it, turn to me, walk with me. And you will grow. Your life will change. You have more joy, more love, more life, more faith, more praise, more purpose, forever and forever. In Jesus' name, say this simple prayer today and write down December, what is it, 24th, December 24th, 2023. Hi, this is my spiritual birthday, and I accepted Christ today. Yes, amen. <clears throat>